Welcome to the New Mexico News Podcast, headlines and stories from the land of enchantment. Brought to you by KRQE. Here's Chris McKee and Gabrielle Burkhart. Big news announced this past week from Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham as she lifted the indoor mask mandate right after the legislative session ended on Thursday. So this comes six months after indoor masks were re-implemented for everyone indoors. Masks are back starting on Friday. Everyone, regardless of vaccination status, must wear a mask indoors in public places. The new rules will be in effect until at least September 15th. For the majority of the pandemic over the last two years, New Mexico has been told to mask up indoors per the state's public health order. Now, this announcement came as a big surprise to many people. This was supposed to be a news conference about the end of the legislative session, and suddenly there's Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham taking off her mask inside. And I want you to listen to sort of how this announcement unfolded, and specifically a few moments right after she made that, you'll you'll hear something. But given in the last couple of weeks that we've seen a 37% decline in hospitalizations, that Dr. Scrace will tell you that we are trending in the right direction. We're seeing that occur across the country. I'm announcing that the mask requirement for indoor settings is gone. And so everyone in this room, if you're comfortable, you can take your mask off. If you're not vaccinated, I don't know that that's the best idea, but um, it is no longer an indoor setting requirement. Now, Did you hear it? That was the sound of people audibly exhaling a sigh of maybe relief or just change happening after six months. And even a round of applause months. we heard too, a little bit in the room there. And not everybody did take off their mask. We saw um, Senator Mimi Stewart keep hers on. She said, you know, to protect the vulnerable. Well, Governor, I'm wearing my mask because I have staff with young children and elderly parents and this is to protect them. But Good thank you, you for... Uh, for doing that because everybody's ready to take them off. Masks are still required, though, inside hospitals and nursing homes here in New Mexico. And the other big question around schools, the governor says individual school boards can now decide whether masks are required in schools. Yeah, after six months, it's a big shift and it's really become a habit for most to put a mask on before going inside a grocery store, going to work, really any kind of public setting here in the state. We know a lot of people have questions about about this though, specifically one that comes to mind immediately. Why now? What has changed? We got an opportunity to ask one of the main guys who's been helping guide the state policy through the pandemic, Acting Department of Health Secretary, Dr. David Scrace. He hopped on a call with Chris and I right after the governor's announcement on Thursday. We had a few minutes to ask him about lifting the mask mandate, which of course, if you remember, just a week before this happened, it was different. Here's our conversation. Dr. Grace, thank you for joining us here today. Uh, this certainly felt like a surprise announcement. I know you guys do a lot of the planning behind the scenes, but um, the reason why I think it more or less was sort of a surprise is just, you know, just last week, thinking to last week, you spoke to New Mexicans saying it was not the right time to lift the mandate yet. There was a lot of talk about 
maybe the pressure from other states that are doing similar things. And I know you had mentioned New Mexico makes its own decisions based on New Mexico's data. So with today's announcement and those things considered in the past, I mean, what has changed between last Wednesday and now? Um, There's actually several really important things that have changed since uh, last Wednesday to today. Number one, hospitalizations have dropped over 30%, about 37% actually, just in about a week and a half. We're starting to see open general medical beds uh, in all four quadrants of the state. We're seeing open ICU beds in all four quadrants of the state. So that's one. Our case counts were in the high 90s per 100,000. You know, we were running two to three, uh, 2,000 plus. They're now down to 40 per 100,000. I think the biggest thing that worried me was that when the state stopped shipping two of the three monoclonal antibodies because they were no longer effective against Omicron, Regeneron, and Bam Eddy, we call it, Right. Uh, we dropped our number of available treatment courses by 75%. And we went through a very deep trough of not having enough treatments for people who are high risk who have COVID. And however, uh, two great things happened. The supply of oral agents being distributed to the states went up. And and after the press conference last week, a brand new monoclonal antibody that I'm just calling BMAB because I can't pronounce it yet, uh, came on the market. And we got just as much of that as we had of sotopramab, the so now we have two effective. So we're actually back up to the total number of treatment courses. And for me, that's kind of what flipped my switch to say we can do this now. Along those lines, um, I know that hospitals are still feeling pressure. And even though hospitalizations have gone down, right, the winter seemingly from at least the discussions I have with people who I know work in healthcare, the winter is already usually the busy time. And, you know, there's still more than 400 patients on a day-to-day basis, it seems, in the hospital for COVID. So I can't imagine in just maybe that last week that the feelings have changed from hospitals, but I guess maybe that is to ask you, did you get any pushback from any of the hospitals that maybe are not in support of seeing this end at this point? Well, we we have a medical advisory team that consists of some, but not all of the hospitals. We had a lengthy discussion this past week Uh, about crisis standards of care. And there was a general acknowledgement that there's probably no chance we'll renew that status when that expires um, early next month. I think their main concern about the mask mandate is more around their own facilities. Uh, You know, they don't want to be in a position of letting anybody come into their hospital without a mask on during a pandemic. And so the public health order does specifically require masks to be worn in hospitals, nursing homes, assisted living, all those congregate settings that you probably know the list by heart now, or I can read them to you from the public health order if you like. But I think I think they're, they're really important partners with us in keeping people safe. And I think that was their one thing that they wanted and one and the one thing that the governor said, well, of course. What about schools? I know that that was one of the questions that came up in this news conference. Um, how are schools expected to treat this? If I heard correctly, um, this whole the end of this mandate effective immediately applies to every situation, Uh I guess, well, except for the ones that you just named, right? Hospitals and whatnot. Um, But 
yeah, how do schools factor into this and what do you expect from schools? Do you expect there to be other schools that still make that decision to say, hey, have uh, certain classes or their student body be forced to wear masks? Or is this purely kind of a a personal choice thing at this point? You know, we really are leaving that up to the school districts. And I think that's really important to do that. I think uh, there, of course, there's some school districts that already sort of tried to ban masks in the schools. I'm guessing they're going to not want to have a mask mandate in their schools. There's other places that have been more conservative about the spread of COVID. You know, it's a very different situation in schools than it is in nursing homes where you have, uh, you do have unvaccinated people, kids in schools, but a relatively low impact of COVID on most kids. Whereas elderly people, we see 30% or more mortality rates. And so um, I think I think for me, and I've been talking about this for a while, as you know, in press conferences, moving this away from a government function to a community function is a good thing to do. Moving a decision about whether you're going to wear a mask or not to be an individual function, I think it's a good thing. I think we all need to take responsibility and, and do what we need to do to protect ourselves, our families, our patients, if we have them, and, and our communities. And so I'm, I'm thinking this is a good trend. And remember at the beginning of the pandemic, nobody had any tools in their home to manage this. We didn't have testing at home. Right. We didn't have pills you could take. Pills, are you kidding me? We didn't have those. And so the whole, it's a, just a completely different environment than it was two years ago. And the governor mentioned this at the press conference, but I don't really pay very much attention to the case counts anymore because it's really serious illness that is the problem that we need to continue to watch and help others manage. So um, so I think I think it's a good trend. I think businesses will need to figure out what they're going to do. I think, you know, state government, we need to decide what we're going to do in our public offices and all that. So I imagine there'll be lots of leaders of various kinds of organizations working over the weekend in early next week, figuring out, well, now it is up to us. What are we going to decide to do? Dr. Scrace, forgive me. I just I got a chance to read the updated public health order. And um, regarding schools, I know it says that they still encourage K through 12 to follow the PEDs toolkit, saying unless the governing local agency or private educational institution elects otherwise, in layman's terms, what does that mean? Is the PED toolkit going to be revised to specifically address masking? Or are you saying this moment effective immediately, each school board can make their own individual decision? I think it's probably both. I think that uh, I know I've been involved in numerous revisions of the toolkit, the invention of it, the first revision when we sent uh, folks back to school again in April of last year. There was one over the summer. There have been some tweaks with testing to stay uh, program as well. And so I think the school boards have the opportunity to decide for their districts, but the public education department and Secretary Steinhaus provide guidance uh, working with the Department of Health on what generally they believe works, is the most safe, uh, et cetera. So they're still monitoring their cases. As we know, some schools have closed because of a high number of cases, but I think that uh, it, it gives flexibility, the public health order gives flexibility to the schools themselves to decide, but also to Secretary Steinhaus to modify that toolkit. So the toolkit 
maybe revised to update that mask guidance or will the guidance from the PED still include masking indoors? And without trying to be coy, I would suggest you talk to Secretary Steinhaus. Got it. Okay. I haven't talked to him today. And so I don't feel like I can speak for him. Yeah. Was this a surprise to to the schools or had you had you guys already been talking with the PED beforehand? I mainly uh, I don't know. I actually, you know, it's been a very busy legislative session for both DOH and HSD. I've spent most of my time this week in the roundhouse. We canceled the presser. Uh, was it just yesterday? Yesterday. So I haven't really been in, t- in tune with the plans. Uh uh, other communication plans. I know certain parties were talked to, but I don't have details. One more question along the lines of now happening now. I think there are for sure going to be people who are going to look at the situation and say it's a midterm election. It's politics coming into play. A lot of Democratic leadership states are making this decision now. How do you respond to people who say this is all just politics and that's why the decision is being made now? What do you sort of say to to those who are going to, I guess, kind of maybe roll their eyes and say, oh, you know, this could have been done earlier, but they're doing it now. Well, I don't think this will be the first time those folks will have the opportunity to roll their eyes and it won't be the last. Uh, if you want, you can look up my political party online. You won't find it. Uh, I'm not. I mean, I sort of pride myself on not being political. And I think that's one of the ways I help the governor the most is just really sticking to the data we have, the trends we're seeing, the direction things are going. So uh, I've been talking with the governor a lot uh, and we talk particularly lately with Omicron, you know, I'd say three to five times a week and I haven't heard anything or nothing's been brought to my attention that politics enters into this in any way. And in fact, I think almost the opposite. I think the governor was adamant that we weren't gonna follow what other states were doing. We were gonna use our own data to make our own decisions, which is what we're doing today. So I'm kind of proud that um, independent of what anyone says or thinks that we have actually consistently from the very beginning, taken the really good data we have and used it to inform our decisions to help the people in New Mexico, to protect the people in New Mexico and particularly our healthcare system to bolster them up. I mean, if it was purely political, we wouldn't still require it in hospitals, right? We wouldn't, you know, and so we're, I think, I mean, I know the governor is a politician, but I'm not. And I think that's why I think we make a great team. I know we need to let you go. Last question, Dr. Scrace. How do you feel about going out in public? Are we going to see you, you know, maskless out now in the public? Do you feel comfortable enough? Well, I think you'll see me. If you get up and go out at five in the morning in Placidus, you'll still see me like I've been doing every day for a long time, walking in the morning without my mask on. Uh, I think that I was just thinking as I came into my office, you know, I'm going to be seeing patients on Monday and counting the days backwards. And I'll probably be extra super careful, you know, five to seven days before I see my patients. So, and then I think I'll do what I've, uh, I've, I've been doing with a mask on the whole time. It's just sort of when I go into places like assessing how safe does this feel? You know, what, how, uh, how many people are and aren't wearing masks. So there might be some places that I need to go to. I'll still pop my mask on indoors and there may be others. I won't.
So lifting the mask mandate was, of course, big news, but there are also other major issues coming out of this legislative session. Here's a quick rundown. The voting rights bill that we talked about in last week's podcast died. Lawmakers in the Senate were unable to take it to a full vote after a more than two hour long filibuster by Senator Bill Scherer, a Republican out of Farmington in San Juan County. That filibuster ended the session. Of course, you remember the session. One of the big talking points was tough on crime. We saw some of those crime bills get through, but some of the bigger ones failed. The rules on pretrial detention. That was a big thing that Bernalillo County District Attorney Raul Torres was pushing to change with the rebuttable presumption bill. That did not get passed. Instead, lawmakers passed House Bill 68. That was a sweeping series of criminal code changes. One of the provisions forces pretrial monitoring programs, and in Bernalillo County, that one is run by the courts. This new provision forces pretrial monitoring programs to turn over GPS monitoring data to police without a warrant if that suspect is being investigated for a specific set of violent crimes while out on release, say, for another crime. Now, notably, all 14 district attorneys in New Mexico are now asking the governor to repeal that provision. District Attorney Raul Torres told KRQE News 13 reporter Ariana Kraft in a recent interview that he's worried about the language in the bill, and he suggests that perhaps it will give accused criminals more protections. You know, we've ended up with a provision that actually makes our job more difficult. It narrows the categories of defendants that we can seek information on, and it creates a privacy right for defendants who are considered to be in custody while they're on GPS. Um, It's a privacy right that isn't recognized anywhere in this country. Other crime-related changes that passed increased penalties for people convicted of second-degree murder, increased penalties for using a gun in the commission of a crime, and making the operation of a chop shop a specific crime, also increased funding for the Bernalillo County Courts, which will let them add another judge to the bench, and $55 million for police officer recruitment and retention. That, of course, is just a little bit less than what the governor was hoping for. She was asking for a million for that fund, so about halfway there. Now, in the realm of education, teacher pay raises for licensed teachers passed. That was one of the early things to go through pretty easily this session, and also a big item that the governor wanted to get passed. Yeah, a big state budget made it through this session that includes increases for almost every state agency, including public safety and the Department of Health. The governor still needs to sign these bills, which um, in general will go into effect in May. Others could go in to affect a little bit earlier than that. There's one other thing to think about and the idea of a special session. This has to be fixed. So if you can't get it done in 30 days, there should be a special session. Mayor Tim Keller, the city of Albuquerque, he has talked about how he wanted to see a special session on crime if the legislature was unable to address the crime bills that city officials wanted to see. And if we can't get it done now, that's okay. That's why our state constitution has a process to deal with urgent issues. And it would be a special session and it should be on crime. Tim Keller was asked in a recent news conference if enough was done to solve the city's crime problem. We had some progress on crime, and that is a very good thing. It's something we have not had in the past. He said it was a mixed bag of outcomes from the legislative session. Tim Keller was specifically asked if he would push to have a special session on crime. So I do support it, but as my former colleagues know, you know, I've always supported every special session. I mean, I wanted a special session to bring Tesla here. So uh, I just think if our 
our community needs help, like we should be meeting all the time. So my stance hasn't changed on that, but it is obviously up to the governor and the legislature. He didn't commit one way or another. The summary, I guess, that we got from the mayor was that there have been some victories to celebrate on the city's legislative initiatives front, but there was not everything done that they wanted to see done. So does the governor want a special session? Well, here's what she had to say after the session ended last Thursday. Planning a special session on, on the voters? Uh, there are a number of incredible issues that are worthy of legislative attention. Crime, environment, voting rights. Today is not the day to worry about any of that. Today is the day to talk about everything that got over the finish line, to thoroughly evaluate every bill that will get to my desk, um, and make the decisions that are in the best interest of New Mexicans um, from that vantage point. So we're, there's no announcement today and no intention of that, but I do, I will hear from New Mexicans, I assure you, over the next 20 days, and their voices matter to me. We will keep you guys posted if we do hear of a special session, obviously, stay tuned. We'll also have another episode for you next Tuesday. In the meantime, feel free to reach out. I'm Gabrielle.Burkhardt at KRQE.com. You can send us your ideas. Also, feel free to rate our show on whatever podcast player you're listening to. Share it with a friend. If you enjoy it, let us know. Also, I'm on Twitter at GBurkNM. And yes, another good thing to note is leaving a review. It helps other people find the show, especially when you're looking for it. You type in New Mexico. There's a lot of different podcasts from great content creators out there. I'm at chris.mckee at krqe.com and also at chrismckee.tv on Twitter. Thanks for listening.